Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast, where three brothers from three different generations talk about their one shared passion, music. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. Today, for our 150th episode, we're talking about our 10 favorite albums of the 2010s. You can now listen to episodes on the BrotherPod app, which also gives you access to additional new music, music news, clips, and content that we curate for each episode. You can also interact with us directly through the TalkBack feature, ask us questions, make suggestions, and voice your own opinions. Just search BrotherPod in the App Store to download on your mobile device. As always, you can learn more about the pod at BrotherPod.com, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Now... Let's celebrate our 150th episode by talking about our 10 favorite albums from the 2010s. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis. I'm here with my two brothers today, uh, Christian Lewis and Jeremy Sartori, and we are celebrating our 150th episode with uh, by counting down our individual top 10 albums of the 2010s. Um, it's a pretty wild decade. Um, what'd you guys do? <laughs> I had children and it was uh, a pretty got divorced and uh, listened to music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I spent most of my twenties uh, living in living in Brooklyn and uh, going to shows, so I, I definitely feel like I have a pretty good vantage point on this. It's interesting, um, instead of putting together your your decade long list of albums, how uh, you realize that that um, you know you you in our case have these sort of ten uh, annual best of list, but at the same time, I think, um, you know, your life doesn't necessarily, uh, uh, isn't measured in, in coffee spoons, um, to, to quote T.S. Eliot, right? Like it, it's sort of, it's not measured the same way as, uh, as your annual, annual list. It's sort of broken into these chapters, which are, which are really definable and, and sort of memorable for certain reasons. Um, but it's funny that, that I think, uh, I realized like you, you have these sort of clusters of albums that just got a ton of play for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I don't know if you guys found the same thing. I was really interested to see, though, um, that one of my, you know, one of the leading albums that I've listened to, according to Spotify, which was a pretty good indicator because I, I got Spotify in 2011, but one of the leading albums that I've listened to in the last 10 years was um, was the ASAP Rocky album uh, back from, and it was like 2013 to 15, and it got a ton of play. I loved it. Um, I thought it was incredible, but I'm not sure that it it um, it stands up to the the sort of permanent collection um, that I was looking for, and sort of one of those timeless pieces that you want to put in a museum. So um, so I'd love to hear you know sort of your thoughts about how this stuff breaks into chapters. Yeah, Jerry, how'd you? What, how was your decade? Uh, it was it was uh, interesting. I mean, I, it's funny. You think I always don't feel like, and it's that like old adage, like time flies, and it just seems to. I feel like the years go by quickly. But uh, you know, for the the this period, I was in Chicago. I think we. We probably uh, ended our Pitchfork VIP run where we were seeing tons of live music. I think probably for Wynn and I, 
and definitely myself, it was a transition from, you know, buying music on iTunes to, you know, Christian just mentioning Spotify, finally giving in to streaming and being, you know, reluctantly giving in at some point. Um, I can't exactly remember when I, when I, um, you know, hit the streaming mode and then just moving. So I moved from Chicago, um, had children and, uh, like I mentioned also went through a divorce. So music tends to be kind of a soundtrack to your life in your own head. There were a lot of great albums to, to pick from. And, uh, this was harder than I would have thought. And uh, a little more random, I, I sort of approached it as if like I was on a desert Island, what albums could I tolerate listening to over and over again? Um, and Ooh. it was a lot, <laughs> but I, hard to get yeah. down. It's interesting. There was a, you know, I mean, you're, you mentioned the streaming going from purchasing to streaming and, and it really, you know, I mean, this decade, I, I, kept thinking of it in terms of musical trends, but that is a musical trend. I mean, that is a complete departure. And I think albums... Yeah. Yeah, I remember and not I understanding I didn't own the music. How does that work? You know what I mean? Because I'm so used mm-hmm. to that. Sorry to sure. interrupt you. It's, it's funny. I actually remember being, I guess, in, in 2010 uh, or early 2011, I can't remember being um, sort of one of the, like first batch of customers for for Spotify when they entered the U.S. market because a friend of mine like had an invitation link um and it it was a totally confusing experience because <laughs> I was like so wait a second I don't like I can't listen to these if I'm not plugged into the internet I mean you know the the, the very backbone of like and and of, of listening to music is it's, it's availability. Like I used to lug around these massive fucking CD cases in the <laughs> trunk of my car, which all of my friends will remember from, from high school. And like, I was the guy who had the giant binders of CD and it was like, there was always something for every occasion, but it actually meant physically like the, tr- like the transportation cost alone of okay. like, you know, keeping this like mobile um, sort of DJ library available was like, was huge. Um, and you know, of course that got, dramatically simplified with uh, with the iPod, but, like, the iPod couldn't just be plugged in and played anywhere. Um, and, you know, I, I think, like, we forget that, that um, or it's, it's easy to forget sort of uh, on a day-to-day, like, how, how much the infrastructure of listening to music has changed um, and evolved over the years and how huge an impact that has on, uh, on your actual, like, consumption. consumption. Because yeah. the ability to, like... I think of every band that that I've discovered because I didn't, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I didn't have to go to a record store to, like, dig through crates, which I would have done, but I, like, you know, time is finite, like, when you're, when you're working, and, and, um, I I think the ability to just, like, sift through the, the endless, um, Spotify library and dig out new bands that I'd never heard of, um, I mean... Some of our guests um, were, in fact, uh, were in fact uh, a product of, of this process. Yeah, um, yeah we're, we're real sort of, you know, it felt like I'd... And, and then it, it feels like you've mined just gold. Like, and you feel very, very possessive and, and, and lucky to have been, like, you know, to, to have found it. So, uh, but, but it's just, it's such a cool, um, uh, it's such a cool change over, over the last few years. Well, I think, I think it's that in uh, combination with, you know, I mean, I think about the physical you know, uh, the physicality of carrying around CD cases, the idea of trying to switch a CD while you're driving, while you're trying to flip through and find the right one, it kind of, it kind of forced, forced you to listen to albums much the same yeah. as having cassette tapes and vinyl made you listen to albums. 
as a whole, I think the, you know, the sort of ascension of hip hop, which I think of as more of a singles dominated um, art form. And then on top of that, uh, the, you know, the current uh, nature of, of music delivery systems, you know, you, you can change, you can change directions in music as fast as you can think. And what? so it doesn't, the, the, the out, and that's why it was interesting compiling this list for me because you know these are my favorite albums i'm sure some of you know many many of my favorite songs are not included in this group of 10 albums i totally agree it's, it's interesting and also when you're when you're when your playlist i just a just a uh, piggyback off that point for a sec I, I think like it's interesting that you know playlists such that you used to make them um were 16 songs long at most i mean the first playlist i made because they had to fit on a cd um, mm-hmm. And then you had like a little bit more latitude uh, with you know with the iPod, but it wasn't ever. Um, but you still you, you know you still had to buy the music, so it, it was like you were still working from a from a finite library. Um, really, like it's all available to you now. You mm-hmm. can do whatever you want, and I think it's interesting to see that that um, curation, whether it's brother, brother, brother podcasts on Spotify or whether it's Rap Caviar who have you know slightly more subscribers um, I think the really interesting sort of development is that like there's this paradox of choice that people are, are presented with um, and it can be overwhelming and like having somebody sort of narrow that stuff down and and, and focus it a little bit for you is, is another really interesting uh, well, sort of trend. I, I would say my list uh, is reflective too uh, impartially are partially of the fact that we started this podcast in 2016 and we've done 150 episodes. Uh, congratulations, brothers. Um, but, Champagne you know, it's, it, mine might be a little... Congratulations. It's three, it's three people who are known for following through on, the, on things. <laughs> I, mean, I think, I, think I, I, I can speak for all of us when I say I'm as surprised as anyone. <laughs> I mean, there's always going to be a recency bias, I guess, but I think also, you know, digging in and, and really kind of reasserting... Um, my interest in music uh, by virtue of having to do my homework, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, it sort of uh, made me a much deeper, wider listener over the last several years. So, you know, like I said, I think my list is kind of reflective of maybe the start of, of Brother, Brother, Brother in 2016. Um, the B3 era. Yeah. But yeah, you want to jump in and... and um, well, before actually we Let's jump into it. our top tens, I, 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 my, my favorite question whenever I'm interviewing other people is sort of what got left on the floor, um, and uh, what would be your what would be your number eleven? I mean, mine probably would have been one that you captured when, and, and that's kind of the funny thing about this too is I think some album. I mean, you guys all have albums that are definitely in my top twenty, top fifty type situation, and and. I would say Freedom, Amen, Dunes for me was definitely a hard one not to pop in, and, and uh, I edged it out, which we'll hear in a minute, um, on 10. What about you, Christian? Christian? Well, you know, it's funny. I actually, um, I think I felt very d- disappointed not to be able to include a couple of things that I just, I, I felt maybe didn't have the gravitas, but like have such good feelings about um because i i really enjoyed them so thoroughly in the moment um and like you know i I still spend them a lot so a good example of that would be um bully uh feels like 
you know, I think that's terrific. Uh, Billy Daly's album Soar was, was great. Uh, frankly, any of the first three Michael Cronin albums um, got a ton of play. Uh, I think, um, as I mentioned, ASAP Rocky already. I actually do have, like, a 28-album list of this, so I, I came very prepared with my uh, 11th album, which is actually going to be, like, 10 of them. But, um, you know, uh, Vampire Weekend, Modern Vampires of the City, uh, I feel like was was sort of a home run for them and, and really defining. If I didn't include it, it's because don't worry, you'll be able to hear it in every coffee shop in Brooklyn for the next five years. Um, uh, and and then the others were um, Vince Staples, Summertime '06, and Symbols E Guitars, Pretty Years. Um, and you know, I, again, just incredibly positive, um, warm feelings toward all these albums. Uh, but at some point, you got to draw a line. It's funny you say that because, uh, you know, I would say the, the glaring omissions, and I would not have predicted this, but there is no Vampire Weekend, there is no Kendrick Lamar um, yeah. on this list, and, uh, you know, a couple and, of other... I think, also, I think Christian has a good point, diff- though, of- in the sense that I feel like I hear Kendrick Lamar every time I'm out or at a sporting event now. And, or and watching a basketball game. or Yeah, I mean, amazing. It's, it's something that I, I don't have to kind of seek out anymore. It's there. Omnipresent. Yeah. Well, that yeah. said, and I, I think also there's a diffusion of responsibility a little bit in the sense that I wanted to get the ten that I wanted to talk about on here, um, mm-hmm. and I kind of figured that you guys were going to put Kendrick on there, so <laughs> yeah. um, it may well be that uh, that I sort of thought I could take it for granted. He got lost in the shuffle. So, um, well, um, actually, Kendrick, huge fan of, of the podcast, as I'm sure he is. Uh, you know, our apologies. Yeah, well, well, he's crying. Um, the, I, so that said, um, and Jerry, you, uh, you did allude to my number 10 album. I'm going to do my 10 through seven picks and, um, then turn it over to you guys to do yours. Uh, my number 10 album is, uh, Amen Dunes, Freedom. My number nine is Pusha T's Daytona. My number eight is War on Drugs is Lost in the Dream. And my number seven, uh, which I believe might be the only one or maybe one of two albums for which we have um, uh, is on is unilaterally on all of our lists is uh, Sturgill Simpson's Metamodern Sounds and Country Music. Jer, what's your next? What is your ten through seven? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I'm glad you uh, represented Almondirans because you got edged out by Fucked Ups, which is my number ten. David comes to life. Um, number nine, I had Sharon Venton, Van Etten's second album, Are We There? Number eight, the uh, DJ masterpiece Disclosures Settle, and then uh, number seven, uh, my you know current favorite MC Vince Staples Summertime '06. Okay. All right, I'll crank out uh, my ten through seven. Number ten is Foxygen's We Are the Twenty First Century Ambassadors of Peace and Magic. Um, nine, Change the Rapper's Acid Rap. Eight is Super Chunks. What a time to be alive. And seven is Titus Andronicus's a most Lamentable tragedy. As I'm realizing, I that was kind of a mouthful. Um, I think I, <laughs> I think my ten through seven were, were pretty heavy on some of the long words titles here. Yeah, no yes. kidding. Thank um, God you didn't. Thank God you didn't go with Fiona <laughs> Apple's record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I couldn't actually remember what the uh, what the title was. Um, I think it was uh, 120 but, words uh, long. Yeah, I believe it's a. a, a uh, was that story. Oh, was that when the pond when the pond breaks and blah blah blah. Yeah, um, and the dictionary so, starts. Uh, so I think, you know, we, I think there's some really great choices here. Um, I would say, uh, just to highlight a couple of things from, from your 1037 list, um, Wyndham, War on Drugs, I feel like the sound, you know, soundtrack 
uh, two years of my life. Um, and it was just, it was ever present. And I think it was partly because everybody I knew uh, found it very pleasing. You know, it is, it's just, it's not. Um, it's, it's universal. It's not, yeah. Right. It, it just, it feels like, it, it makes you feel a little bit more like you're in some kind of movie. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's not overjoyous. It's not melancholy. It's, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't mean to, um, uh, denigrate the, the album at all. I think it's a, it's, it is sort of a masterpiece, um, in, in that ability to sort of like create an atmosphere, uh, that's just incredibly, um, sort of inviting. Um, and, and I think, uh, Jeremy of yours, um, the, the one I was probably nearest, well, two actually, I would say nearest to putting on my list were Vince Staples and Disclosure. Um, I, I love uh, the, the Disclosure album. I think it's just, in, in both of those cases, like, they are two very complete albums, just incredibly polished, finished, like, end-to-end great pieces of work that um, I, I just want to listen to through and through on loop. Um, but uh, what I was going to highlight and talk about a little bit here, because I know we're all, we're all big fans of the band, is Titus Andronicus, The Most Lamentable Tragedy. Um, this was a pretty spectacular and pretty ambitious album. Um, they, are, they are known for their ambition. Uh, a you know, history of the Civil War being one of the topics <laughs> that they've covered in an album. Um, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Ken Burns my rock song of the uh, decade as well, by the way, <laughs> on that one. Yeah. More perfect um, union. A more perfect union is really, I mean, yeah, it's outstanding. I just, I, I think what's funny is, like, on my first listen to A Most Lamentable Tragedy, I, I don't, I, I remember thinking, like, oh, it's okay. Like, it's a little, um... Scruffier. More oi, yeah, there's a quality to, um, there's a sort of uh, raucousness to it that maybe I, I didn't love initially about his voice, um... But I re- it just it kept growing and growing and growing. Um, and part of it was, I think, just I realized what a good lyricist he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and his ability to, to, particularly like narrative lyrics, were just incredibly powerful. Um, and, and partly powerful because of like just the, the way he can describe the, the boredom of a day or, you know, living in New York or, or whatever it is. Well, I think, um, too, he's really good at taking something that appears on first glance to be a cliche like in the last album they had a song called i blame society which is a goofy yeah. sounds like a doa song from like 1982 <laughs> yeah. but it's but the funny thing is that they they sort of bend it to their will to to make it's it so much smarter than that right funny and interesting <laughs> yeah yes it's it yeah that, yeah that it adds like a, a a sort of literary depth and like emotional depth to otherwise very like simplistic crude like punk Emotion. and so yeah. I love I've always loved and been drawn to and like spent a lot of time in the aesthetics of punk um, but I've also always thought like okay we I mean you know part of it is like a lot of punk was made by 15 and 16 year olds right yeah. um, and Perpetual like a lot of it shows yeah. yes um, and, and so in this case it, it was like you, you felt like the uh, you know the, the sort of natural like English major talent of somebody being applied to, to that world was was really kind of great. So it had to have been an album too, just quickly that would 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 have spoken very much to your that time in your life. I would you know I would imagine being in your twenties in, in Brooklyn as well. Just the like you said the day to day. It's like certain albums definitely 
as I was going through this list, kind of, it just depended, you know, where I was and, and what yeah. age I was and, you know, what I was going through. But that album in particular, I, I can, you know, it would have spoken to me and Austin in my 20s as well. You know, it's just, and I, I really like that album. No, I've grown absolutely. A bit too, but it's a perfect album for that age, I feel like, in that time wow. in your life. And I, would, I think that's absolutely right. And I would say, like the the a band that's a really good example of this. Um, I know when you don't you don't love them, but it's like aging into the national is like mm-hmm. something that a lot of people I've, I I noticed do in like their late twenties. It's like <laughs> out of nowhere you suddenly want to listen to these guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah. But yeah. I, I just so, want to say quickly that um, you know we're going off what you just said about most lamentable tragedy as well as what you uh you know sort of uh intimated earlier which is that you know a lot of these um you know even going back and doing the last three years on this podcast of of um you know compiling your top 20 albums of the year i would say several of these didn't top my list um of that year and uh, look here they are in my top 10 of the decade so um, most lamentable tragedy, I think, fits firmly in that uh, box, which I think is pretty great. Yeah, let's yeah, take a the, break. The slow, the slow growth is always uh, is always always a bonus. Um, Christian, you want to pick a song right, for the for the uh, break off of the the ten to seven? Uh, yeah, say go with Lonely Boy or Damien. You're a big fan of this album. You can um, you should. Whatever you like. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do our six through four picks. to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. And uh, a rarity these days, we have all three of us talking about our uh, top 10 of the decade as we close out in 2019. And um, we're going to run down our six through four, and then uh, we'll talk about an album that really stood out in that, uh, that collection. So, Wynn, what, what was your six through four? Um, I, it's funny. Um, my number six album is... The Golden Hour by Casey Musgraves, and this is keeps uh, you know becoming stronger and stronger in my list. Um, and I'll talk about uh, Casey Musgraves in a little bit. Um, number five, Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter, and number four is Titanic Rising by Wise Blood. My uh, my, I think my lone shout out to uh, this year's um, 2019 output. So yeah. very important record to me. I love it. And Christian, sure. how about you? Wyndham, I would just. I, I, I would mention uh, we met Casey Musgraves um, back That's at uh, right. the. Oh my God! You're right. Yeah, yeah, back at the filming of the of the Tonight Show. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, it was pretty funny. We, we like, she was the musical guest that evening. and um, Oh, my God, you're right. I it, I, we were both pretty unfamiliar with her music at that point. And both of us uh, sort of had this realization that we were, like, we were like, well, first of all, it sounds like, like there's, there's, a, there's an edge to the lyrics here that suggests um, she's writing them, not somebody else, because I don't think uh, anybody who was like, you know, cooking this stuff up for country radio would would um, have that much of an opinion, uh, and yeah, it, I just there was a sort of star quality to it. Um, I forgot and, and that. Yeah. Um, so anyway, cool. Wait, did, is that was, <laughs> My, was Sienna Miller on that episode too? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's she a, was. That's yep. A damn strong. Uh, <laughs> lineup. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, Thanks for remembering. Um, well, it always stuck with me because when she was like, sort of, uh, you know, evolving into this megastar, I was like, oh, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, um, that's a, the funny thing. I'll just talk. 40 Christian and write your masterpiece that was there. That can be part of it. Yes. I, I just, um, um, I just want to talk really briefly about Casey Musgraves because I do think she is a star that is a hundred that is just ascending and may very well become. I mean, it's a, it's an early call, but it's not a that difficult call. I think she might become an icon. The next Dolly, yeah, in the same way that yes. Beyonce or Dolly, or I think she's she's subverting. Uh, mainstream country, but also utilizing the best pieces of it at the same time in a way that nobody else really is. I mean, usually when we talk about the country singers that we like, we talk about the outlaws who who basically give the finger to Nashville and say, you know, you know, bite me, I'm doing my own thing. Um, and I think Casey Musgraves is the perfect sort of internal foil for the Nashville machinery. She's doing it her way at the same time. She's mastering. Uh, that town and that that segment of the population. So I'm I'm really looking forward to her next moves. Yeah, it's an interesting. I mean, the the point of comparison, like for you know analysis um, purposes, I think is 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 Taylor Swift, just because she is so of the industry as well, and she has that sort of blend or balance, like whatever you you actually think of her music, and 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 you know I know you're not a fan, but like she has that blend and balance of pop and country, yeah. like. The sort of the sort of wholesomeness of, of country um, brought to bear in uh, pop music. The thing that Casey Musgraves has um, that I think transcends that and adds like a level of integrity to it is mm-hmm. that like her stories sound like they could be true. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they aren't the sort of saccharine um, uh, like pop songs of you know '60s radio re envisioned for. Um, a modern audience. It wasn't a focus like, group that came up with it. Yeah, exactly. This is like a story about, you know, how life can be hard. Um, and the fact that it's actually, that, that she's managed to package it so nicely and neatly is, is pretty, um, pretty impressive. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm certainly rooting for her. Um, so my, uh, let's see, my six through four um, are six Japan droids, Celebration Rock, by the way, one of the all-time most fun fucking concerts I've ever been to alone was on Halloween at the Knitting Factory. Um, and it was just like, it was wall-to-wall, you know, but that place fills up with like 200 people. Um, and uh, you could barely move and hot as hell, but like, it was just... Thank God you were I mean, wearing was, your maple leaf tank It was the best party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it was just so much fun. Um, and... Uh, 
Kanye's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is, uh, is my number five. And my number four is, for all the jewel runners out there, run the jewels, run the jewels too. Nice. Sure. Yeah. Love it. And, uh, I mean, funny, Christian and I just flipped the, the two albums there. So for mine, it was six M83, or M83's Hurry Up, We're Dreaming, Anthony Gonzalez's best album by far. And then uh, run, I had five, Run the Jewels, RTJ2, um, and Kanye West, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy at number four. And, uh, you know, shout out to the, the albums that you guys mentioned. Halcyon is... You know, arguably my number one. I love that album a lot, and it's an album that just, like I said, kind of time and place I listened to quite a bit, but what I dug about it the most was it kind of captured a lot of sounds of some of my favorite artists into one place, like whether it was a Chris Bell song or a, something that sounded like, you know, a mix of, you know, some of my favorite sort of guitar, noise, rock. Um, I just found mm-hmm. that album to be kind of a, a really refreshing a uh, great record of indie rock, but not necessarily a rock record. You know, it, it kind of expanded their sound. Um, and then Christian, I agree, Celebration Rock is just like the party album of, of the decade by far for, for rock fans. I mean, it's like a, just sweaty, beer-fueled night at a club in, in one record. In fact, I'm surprised there isn't a song on that album called Party Album of the Decade. Yeah, totally. Uh, in fact, I mean, so this is, this, is the, the, this is the part that I find so, like, joyful about it. Don't like uh, unless you unless you really want like a laugh. Don't go read their lyrics. Totally. Um, yeah. Well, I was gonna say the is, only reason I missed my like, list was the album that followed it. I actually understood all the lyrics, and I was like, "Oh God." <laughs> yeah. No. It's, it's like it's like uh, it's like ninth grade pothead stuff. Um, but but it is so good, and they have they capture just like you know uh, yeah as you said sweaty beer fueled energy. It's like. Um, it, it's just, uh, and like one of the truly great uh, covers of the last 10 years, I think, is the, the Night of Wine and Roses by the Gun Club, uh, or well, by, by uh, Japan Droids covering uh, the Gun Club. So Yeah, definitely. And after a night of 15 Miller High Lives, um, the album I wanted to talk about, because I just, I think we have to talk about it, right, is Kanye's My Beautiful Dark Twisted yeah. Fantasy. I mean, <clears throat> this is actually funny, as we were talking about like CDs and MP3, or MP3s, <laughs> CDs. MP3, CDs, and streaming. Uh, this is one that I, like, burned onto a disc. At the time, I was living in Chicago and commuting out to the suburbs to my job. And, and uh, so I stuck in a lot of traffic or on a metro train going um, the opposite way of, of the normal commute. And this was a record that I just played start to finish nonstop. I, I really enjoyed Kanye's early rise. It was, like, you know, loose, fun. The production's amazing. Um, you know, it was just great hip-hop. And then I didn't ever get into 808, um... Heartbreak. I don't even know if it's a masterpiece or not. I just, for some reason, skipped over that one. Um, but when My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy came out, it kind of captured, A, it's like a, you know, sort of an acid trip of hedonistic, you know, exploitation of being rich and famous in America. And at the same time, like, uh, you know, captures, I think, it's almost like a greatest hits album um, as far as what he does best in my mind, um, which is, you know, amazing tracks bringing in talent um you know i don't think anybody would say kanye is the best mc or even close to it or even in the top you know 100 but he is a master at at putting you know these songs together and and a pretty good lyricist as well i mean the guest list on this you know jay-z josh vernon from uh, our bon iver uh Nicki minaj kid cuddy rick ross Pusha t chris rock i mean raekwon it's rizza it's it's like just a you know a 
uh, you know, the greatest like all-star team um, you could put together. And, uh, and then the songs themselves, you know, from like gorgeous, the, you know, I think the second opening track or second track power, I mean, power like Kendrick of the time was a song that you can just pop into any, you know, mm -hmm. uh, any show about billionaires <laughs> or sports people or, you know, anybody with power and it just has that beat. And then the nine minute, you know, masterpiece runaway, which is, uh, you know, probably one of the most interesting hip hop tracks and some of the stuff I think the bomb squad put together with public enemy to me, as far as like texture and baroqueness and, and just depth and, and sonic, you know, sounds. It's one of those albums that like choices. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that like, you know, I think it's an, a record that I'm not going to sit here and say I, I put on that, album that much or I, I you know put up on Spotify or anything like that today but it's an album that I go back to and I'm like whoa like I know why I was blown away you know and I, and I know mm -hmm. why it's so good and I, I was a Kanye fan I, I love you know College Dropout all the, the earlier stuff too I think those are all great albums and I probably actually listen to those more today than I even did sometimes back then but as far as like a you know just sort of dark you know masterpiece this is great and I, you know I think it was also the, the change for Kanye of, of becoming just a megastar um, you know, there was a lot of things, you know, media and, you know, social media and things like that popping up and, and him, you know, all over it. And then kind of an obsession with Michael Jackson at the time. I mean, there was just a lot going on and you kind of got a, a glimpse into his mind, whether it was, you know, fiction or, or uh, for real, who knows. But it was, I think, just a, a totally insane, awesome record. I think it was. And what did you conclude when you got a glimpse into his mind? Because I'm still, I'm still a little puzzled by whether it's fiction or whether it's real. I think real to him is as close we're going to get. Yeah, um, that's, that's but, probably. But I, I think, I, it's, you know, I think, I think you really, you, you nailed it with with that description. Um, and just, I think the way that, yeah, it, it, it was so sort of transcendent of of music or the music industry or anything it just it, it it consumed the pop culture that it was a part of mm -hmm. I think too it it's um you know there's two different things going on here one it was sort of universally recognized immediately as a masterpiece you know whereas so much of the time you know it's the pet sounds that sells like really underwhelmingly sell you know sells or or big star or something where you know people 20 years down the road are like oh that was a masterpiece this one dropped on like a you know for a Tuesday and by Wednesday everyone was like this is a fucking masterpiece um I also think that it was him indulging every whim he could possibly have and it all worked it was weird yeah um, I agree yeah there's, it, it's it like does the most also, I mean, maximalist I to, album of all time. Yeah, no, it's like it's. I mean, it was like if you if you tried to tell me before I'd ever listened to it and didn't know who Kanye West was that we were going to make like th that we were just going to take every musical genre of the second half of the twentieth century and like pour it into a bucket and let it and just like you know and 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 then sort of put like a proggy like kind of techno futuristic landscape of of like drum machines and weird shit into it i would say you're crazy and no thank you i just um, remember thinking and, like and when that's why i didn't make this album because i have no vision for that kind of stuff i just and remember like, it's just hearing whoa, the, you know hearing the king crimson sample and being like how the fuck yeah. when, when did kanye west become a king crimson <laughs> fan you know and it was just yeah. so it just was left field as left field could be and then finding out that you know he's like oh he's got Pusha T and, and Bonnie Vare on there 
Like, yeah, no, it's, it's, no it's, it's out of control. It was Zero kind sense. of that time too. I think as we were talking about earlier, where you know you had just so much more access to all types of music, and I think we all were you know kind of crate diggers or you know explore different genres anyways with you know probably a, a bass and punk and indie rock but it's um it the access you know and obviously Kanye is, you know is is you know musical genius to, to, in that sense but like you know the access you had everything it was a perfect album for that time period too and, and you know kind of really yeah. blends all of that and it works and like it, it's it's, it's a, like it's a, a guided guided tour of the galaxy you know Right, like, and, and it's radio it, friendly. It, 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 I mean, not lyrically, but you know, yeah. just the sounds. It's pop music too, which is crazy. Yeah, and and, and he ended the decade in a you know Paniachi clown suit with silver face paint on. So I think <laughs> that <laughs> this, this might have been a breaking point. <laughs> so anyway, you want to take a quick break? And we'll yeah. come back and do our top threes. Yeah. Let's do it. I'm living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it. Screams from the haters, got a nice ring to it. I guess every superhero need his theme music. No one man should have all that power. The clock's ticking, I just count the hours. Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power. Broken, the school's closed, the prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, motherfucker. We rollin'. Huh? Motherfucker, we rollin'. With some light skinned girls and some Kelly Rollers. And this white man world, we the ones chosen. So good night, cool world. I see you in the morning. Huh? I see you in the morning. This is way too much. I need a moment. No one man should have all that power. Welcome back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Uh, we are celebrating our 150th episode today, which is pretty exciting. Congratulations, you guys. I'm, I'm, uh, I truly am uh, thrilled that we made it this far. Um, and by uh, we're celebrating our 150th by going uh, 10 to 1 on our top 10 albums of the past decade. This is the first time we, we've ever had a podcast to end a decade, so... Um, this will be a, uh, obviously be a tradition for the next, you know, 20, uh, decades or so that we're, that we're still doing brother, brother, brother. But, um, Christian, you want to give us your top three, your final, uh, t- best yeah. three albums of, of the 2010s? I certainly do. Number three is Sturgill Simpson's Metamodern Sounds of Country Music. Uh, number two, I have Car Seat, Headrest, Teens of Denial, and my number one album of the 2010s, uh, which came out in 2010, is LCD Sound Systems. This is it. Nice. So, this is happening. Is actually what it's called. This is this is a different album by a different band. <laughs> but is, is <laughs> um, um, except yeah. that it's not actually nice there either. Okay. Yes, I think uh, that was a really excellent unveiling um, I didn't <laughs> knock over the sculpture at all um, anyway uh, I, I think um, what, so you know well I'll turn it over to you guys to go through your, your top three and then we can we can dig deeper into these yeah sure so, yeah my top three are um, like Christian at number three I have Sturgill Simpson's Meta Modern Sounds um, you know one of the best country albums I think to come out in, in a while. It's such a great record. Super Chunks, What a Time to Be Alive, um, my favorite punk record of the decade by far. And then, uh, you know, the pre-mentioned Halcyon Digest by Deer Hunter, which um, is definitely my favorite indie rock album of the decade. So, uh, win. 
you want to take it home with your, all right. your finals? Yeah, this is where we start getting relatively, you know, where there's some overlap, in it, but in a good way. My number three is This Is Happening by LCD Sound System. Uh, 2010, as mentioned. Number two is Be the Cowboy by Mitski. And my number one is the aforementioned and discussed My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy by Kanye West. Nice. So I just wanted to, uh, you know, give a give a few words on on you know the the one of the people who became one of my favorite artists again uh, via a rather slow arc, which is Mitski and Be the Cowboy, which um, you know last year I think was in my top five of best albums of the year, and then right around January um, I regretted that decision because it, it suddenly was on. Uh, constant repeat in my house. Uh, I just couldn't stop listening to it. I loved it so much. I um, March, I flew out to Pittsburgh to see her live. And, uh, you know, this, this sort of progression of albums from her first two piano-driven albums to, you know, Bury Me at Make Out Creek to Puberty 2 to Be the Cowboy is a kind of growth, um, you know, that, that used to happen in, like, the 70s when people had, like, nine album contracts and really got to blossom as an art as artists um even the live show which you know i think has changed dramatically uh, as her confidence or at least her persona has grown or at least she's figured out what how to act and i mean that not as how to act on stage but how to be an actor on stage performing her own music um she came out in this you know sort of weirdly fetishistic, you know, like short shorts, knee pads, uh, knee socks and a, and a, you know, shirt and, and sat at a, 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 like a student's desk, like a elementary school student's desk and proceeded to give an entire concert where she used that as, as sort of a, a prop, but almost attacked it. And, and, you know, in an, an almost gymnastic way, it was a really interesting performance something that you know bordered on on sort of um performance art uh, but was really compelling at the same time and you know the funny part was i think you know I, and i think it required her to sort of go into character um and forget you know the self-consciousness or or you know the, the sort of barriers of of um performing as she had done you know as a regular you know front person um for the past several years i also was really um taken with the fact that she came out after the show was over and gave the most sincere thank you to the crowd i've ever seen in my life either she's a great actress or she just truly is sincerely thankful that people want to come listen to her um and uh you know kind of it, it just made me like her that much more but that said it's the album it's the music that that you know really you know drove this to nearly the top of my list um songs like geyser and uh you know why didn't you stop me um remember my name they're really heavy in parts they're really well produced but there there's a lyricism that's that's clever and self-conscious and Vulnerable and aggressive all at the same time. Um, I don't know what else to say, but but listen to it more. It's a great I think record. That's a, that's a yeah. No, it really is. It's a good choice, um, and she's definitely uh, coming strong. And and I think you know, as you described, there there the sort of 
the hugeness of, of the um, and and like sort of interesting like traditional elements of, of some of the musicality as well. Like I, I always think of it as um, you know having aspects of like choral music and uh, <clears throat> sort of like classical you know or hymns. Um, and I, I think uh, you know the fact that she's able to to draw on just an extraordinary like repertoire of of knowledge is definitely uh, definitely helpful there. Well, some pretty sly humor in there too. I mean, songs like "Me and My Husband" and even you know "Your Best American Girl" on Puberty Two, which is you know I think one of her you know her her standout single. Um, you know, there's just there's this sort of sly. Um, I mean, there's a there's there's an earnestness to it, but there's also a sense of humor behind it. Um, I just, I, I think she's great and can't wait to see what happens yeah. next again. And I think a, a, an extremely sort of vulnerable in her monologue being brought to bear um, mm. as well. Uh, but, but one that's, you know, finds the world sort of a, a funny, curious place, but also potentially very wounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's some armor involved. But... So yeah, that's that's uh, that's our top tens. Um, what uh, any surprises um, in your the, from anybody or uh, I kind of you know I, I agree with both of you entirely that every single album on here is great. So yeah, I, I'm really I'm in the same boat. Yeah, there's um, not anything. And I'm I would say I'm I was surprised that this is happening. Made it so far up the list for for either of you. Um, I'm also surprised to see. Super Chunks, what a, what a Time to Be Alive, make it so far up the list for, for you, Jared. That's awesome. I actually thought I might be the only one to have it on uh, on the top ten. I know, I love um, And for me, I would just, you know, I, I think that Car Seat Headrest sort of is the, I mean, if, we, if you want to talk about, like, sort of generational or, or like, uh, inner monologue, I, I, think, I think that Car Seat Headrest captures it pretty well for, um, for millennials who are in their you know, twenties in the last uh, in the last decade. Um, I, I'm a big fan of that one too, and it actually almost made my list. I had that kind of the back half there, and and there was a couple cross offs and, and rewrites, and uh, that was one. I know when I think you you don't like that as much as Christian and I, but but like it or like the singles more than the album as a whole. Oh, I, I, yeah, I love the singles, a, but I you know. It's an album that I really go back to quite a bit. I like it a lot. And yeah. Why to Wake by Parquet Courts almost made my list. Same. Yeah. I actually, I think that I think that that's their, uh, you know, they, they've definitely been real sort of troopers over the course of the decade, just incredibly prolific and like real road warriors too. They're they're mm-hmm. always um, like always playing, uh, or at least they were between two thousand thirteen and sixteen. I and saw. I think I, I love yeah no, but I, I really love the the um, work ethic. I always think it's like it's cool when somebody lands. You know, when Billie Eilish is being named Woman of the Year by Billboard at the age of 17, um, and, I'm, and I suspect that she works very hard, um, I think the arc for a lot of people is longer, um, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's nice to, to see somebody invest that much time in what they care about um, and, and ultimately to feel like it's paying off for them. Um, which, uh, you know, I think culminated in, in them making one of their best albums. Um, and, yeah, similarly, I think you could say the same as Superchunk. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been, I, they've I really been at it for a couple years. This might be their best album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, 
the only people. And I think they might have been as surprised as anybody. It it felt like it, I mean you know what a time to be alive feels so sort of raw and visceral and, and, and so much of a reaction to uh, to to sort of the politics of of uh, 2016. Um, in uh, you know in a way that that shouldn't turn anybody off who who doesn't really want. Um, their music to be uh, affected by it. I think it just it just provided them with like this very very deep emotional well uh, to draw on, <laughs> and, and, and just what came out was like, you know, I think the best thing they've ever done. So, well, take my take my word for it. You can still be fifty and pissed off. So <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let's uh, thanks for you guys for that. let's take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll end this the way we end every one. Do it. podcast we've just told you what we think are the 10 best um or you know with faulty math probably more than 10 best albums of uh 2010 and but we are going to end this episode the way we end every episode christian what are you listening to jeremy what are you listening to (laughs) um i am gonna say that i uh i've been Working a lot and not spending much time in front of screens or books, but I have been listening <laughs> to things and I, uh, or screens as in television or, or uh, watching stuff on my computer. But I've been um, just doing a lot of podcasts lately, which is always my cop out. So I apologize in advance. But there's a couple of podcasts that I like. One is kind of uh, um, close to my industry, my my day job, and uh, that's um, you know natural food industry. So there's a podcast called Unfinished Biz. That talks a lot about entrepreneurial um, food companies. I know some of these people. I actually know the guys that host it. It's a VC group out of SF, and um, but they're they're just fun, interesting stories. So like if you're drinking a spin drift or something, to hear kind of the ups and downs of of, of that person's you know um, sort of path to success and and uh, for me, you know, it's kind of close to home. So probably not for everybody, but if you like just you know uh, you know. Food products are, are interesting things, interesting stories of people almost losing everything and then making it. It's, it's kind of a, a cool thing. Not too different from uh, how we made this on the NPR pod, but very specific to uh, food and, and beverage. And then um, the other one is like, you know, I, I'm not going to say it's a uh, it's nothing but a guilty pleasure. I've just been listening. I listen to a lot of sports, a lot of politic podcasts and a lot of music podcasts. And I, you know, always hear about all these crime podcasts and sort of put out a consensus. And so crime junkie is a big one right now. Um, 
you know, I'm not going to lay any critic. I'm not going to go critic mode on, on the actual hosts. I'm having our own podcast. So kudos. They've done a, a nice job. But, you know, everybody loves serial killer stories and there's, you know, definitely worth skipping around so you can kind of find like the preppy murder story or, um, you know, my favorite, the pig farmer in Canada, which is a two part story. And just, you know, late at night, working late, um, nothing like uh, hearing about bodies being dismembered. So if you're into crime, crime junkie, which I think is shooting up the podcast charts, kudos. It's a fun, guilty pleasure. It's the, you know, dateline on a podcast. Nice. All right. Um, well, I will uh, step in and, and um, say, I, you know, similarly, I've, I've had a little bit less time lately for movies and, and TV and stuff like that. But um, I saw a Marriage Story um, last weekend and thought it was fabulous. Um, it's really like it I'm really. I was going to say, I, I, I saw on. that and loved it and forgot I saw it. That's how busy I've been. But yes, not because it wasn't fabulous. Yes. Man, sorry. <laughs> it is a great movie. Um, well, I, I had a little bit more time to come up with the, to come up with, <laughs> with an answer <laughs> because I punted to you. So, um, in, in the tradition of uh, in the tradition of this segment, but I think um, you know I I watched this and like I am a big fan of of twentieth um, uh, century like um, drama like particularly Al you know Edward Albee and, and Arthur Miller and stuff like that. I, I read a lot of that in in high school and college and and really enjoyed it. Um, and I I think actually enjoyed reading it as much, if not more, than, than enjoyed um, spending a lot of times, uh, spending a lot of time in, in um, theaters seeing it acted out. But I think this has, or, like, or uh, home an incredibly... It. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it, this had a lot of, um, <laughs> like, state stagey sort of qualities, right? Like, it was uh, very much felt built for theater, um, for, mm-hmm. for a little bit of context. It's Noah Baumbach's uh, latest movie, um, about uh, misery and divorce, um, and I think really just the the sort of arc of um, two people's lives as they disentangle uh, themselves in the course of a of a divorce, and it's not um, you know it doesn't culminate in some um, uh, crazy uh, attempted murder or something like that. It's it's very much just the story of two people pulling their lives apart, um, and all of the different, funny, like, you know, darkly funny, um, and sad and, you know, angry and disappointed, uh, moments that, that, that creates. Um, I, I think, uh, it was extraordinarily well acted, extraordinarily well directed. Um, there were eight minutes of show tunes that I would like back. Um, but aside from that, it was, uh, it was really an extraordinary, uh, movie and I'm you know maybe maybe my favorite of the year should we should we I throw out a, a, a spoiler alert that they get divorced um well, I think it's a bit yeah, early I mean, now, you, now you don't even need to see it yeah <laughs> no it's I loved it so much and uh I I wouldn't even edit out the eight minutes so there you go um I am going to give you a big love plug to uh, yeah. <laughs> the least show toony movie and I've seen in a long time and it is called Uncut Gems it's by uh, Josh and Penny Safdie and it's funny this segment is called What Are You Listening To? because I loved Uncut Gems I went to a screening in Boston last week uh, where Sandler and a lot of and Kevin Garnett and a bunch of people were uh, in attendance but one of the other stars of this movie in attendance was Daniel Lopatin 
uh, otherwise known as one of Trick's Point Never, uh, who I did not realize is a local Boston guy. Um, but the soundtrack is a star in this movie, and I've been listening to that soundtrack on additionally, um, and it is creeping ever closer to getting on my top albums of the year uh, 2019, which we will be nice. um, recording very soon and, and putting out before the end of the year. But um, it's it's a phenomenal piece of soundtrack work uh, for a phenomenal movie that I absolutely loved. It is, if you want to be stressed out as hell for <laughs> an hour and 45 minutes, go see Uncut Gems. I can give it no higher... Uh, you know, higher uh, billing than that. It's it's just it's a basically it's, a heart attack that takes an hour and an hour and forty five minutes. I got the preview and it looked excellent before you saw it. When I remember reaching out to you and I was just like, that looks really interesting and fun and cool. Yeah, and I'm not a big Sandler, you know, person. I've never been a huge Sandler person, but um, there's something. But he's perfect for this. It's um, and Garnett is uh, a good actor. You know, I mean, that's remark- a remarkable thing. Kevin Garnett, good actor. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield's in it. Um, and the, the can you could you recap the for those of us who have not seen the previews? Oh, sorry. Um, Uncut Gems is basically about a, a Diamond District um, merchant, Adam Sandler, who is a compulsive gambler whose life is a wreck, and he is constantly robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, and to keep up with his gambling debts, and Kevin Garnett is a client. Um, Garnett, I'm not giving you a spoiler, it's in the trailer, gives him his championship ring um, as collateral for uh, a gem that he wants to own, and Sam, and he naturally... Uh, uses it for nefarious purposes to cover his gambling debts. I will leave it at that. But it is a phenomenal movie, and I loved it. And the soundtrack yeah. is awesome. Cool. Excellent. Cool. Uh, Want to throw a song in the playlist? I sure do. Go in. Throw it I'll in go there. first. Something I've been wildly overdoing putting on and have thought about a million times and forgotten to do it is um, People Who Died by the Jim Carroll Band. Oh, wow, I'm surprised that's not on there. It's a great one. If it is, I apologize. I don't think it is. I think you're right. That's great. Jay? All right. Um, you know, I, like, was sleeping on the fact that Jay-Z is now, uh, or you can get all his albums now on Spotify, and uh, it's hard for me to choose. I, I really like a ton of Jay-Z singles, but um, I'm going to go with just 99 Problems because it's such a goddamn great song. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think we we can cross one of our problems off the list just by getting them on our on our top. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think top we tried the and um, we're fucked. So, Christian, how about you? Yes, no, it's it's true. Um, so, I will, uh, in keeping with the hip hop theme, um, and actually, uh, our conversation about Kendrick earlier, add one of his earlier songs off Section Eighty, uh, Rigor Mortis. Um, which is absolutely killer. Um, it is the best sort of concentrated display of, of his uh, lyrical ability, I think, um, that, that you'll find across all of his, uh, across all of his work. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Awesome. 
But we'll be back soon to do our top 21 of 2019. Uh, but until then, uh, congrats on 150, and thank you guys so much. Good talking to you. Yeah. Likewise. See you later. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.